You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. I think I feel like I sound like a broken record, but every time I get up here, I really feel like I have to acknowledge really most everybody here. Um, I th- my thought was the uh, Freedom Tower that they built down in New York City, and it took 11 years to build that. And I don't know how many gazillions of dollars, but the energy and the effort, and it's, it's majestic. It really is. You go down there and you, you look up at it. But I compare it to the life of every single person in here, and it just pales in compared to what God is doing in each of our lives, right? It's a wonderful thing. It's a holy thing, what, what God can do in every individual's life. And I feel like today from what we've experienced in worship, I just feel like the favor of God is on this people, is on each and every one of us. You know, um, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the God, please God, even his enemies are at peace with him. And God is, God is pleased with us. I really feel like that Many of us right now are really in that zone where we're just in agreement with God and he's pleased with us. Remember Paul when he first, his first introduction to Jesus, the phrase to him was, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. That's what the, that's what Jesus said to Paul. And I think as Christians, a lot of my life has kind of been like, kicking against the prick and you know i'm just resisting and i think about my friend al de lorenzo who knows al al's uh, struggling right now he lost his wife over the summer but al's been al's been really close to, i've been close with al for the last probably 10 years we spent like almost all of that in doing prison ministry and and uh al would tell me over and over again he, he would say you need to surrender and I'm like, what does that even mean? I, I just wrestled with it. Whenever he would say that to me, I would just get uncomfortable. And because and, I really didn't understand. I didn't know how to grab a hold of that. And I still don't know that I really do. But I know it's a place where we're just not resisting, not kicking against the goads. But we're in a place where we're, we're in agreement and we're not fighting against God and it's, we're pleasing him. And I just feel like that this church, this church as a body, and even individuals here, you're pleasing God and his pleasure. And, and he, he wants to bless. When that happens, the, the windows open up. Right, Ron? They just do. When, when a man's ways please the Lord. And, we, and Julie had us pray for people that had needs for jobs, for better jobs. I'm telling you, I've had favor all my life. Dave Converse, remember Dave? Dave said to me one day, was he wasn't a prophet, but he was very prophetic because he said stuff over Dave Broadbent and other people too. I know a lot of you. Dave would say, said to me once, he said, you're always going to have a good job. That's what he said to me. And, he, and it just, it, it rings in my ear today. And it's true. I think God is just bring favor. His, his, his heart is to bring favor upon us. And I, I just hope that, each of you can experience a little bit of that, a little taste of that. You know, God's power is not dormant. And I 
start, we had the men's meeting over the weekend or yesterday, and I started off with a little kind of illustration of how, um, you know, when a car is sits for a long time, I like those car shows where they restart. I like the Wheeler Dealer show. That's one of my favorite. Where's Mike Laramie? Mike, you, you probably know which one I'm talking about, where they, they find a car and it's in rough shape and, and they bring it back, the guy brings it back to the shop and the other guy has to do all the work on it. But most of the time when a car sits for a long time, what's the first thing that you gotta do? You gotta get it started. And typically the battery loses its power, loses its charge, so they have to put a new battery in it. But I, I feel like, you know, how God's power is, that power that I'm talking about where he wants to bless each of us and, and demonstrate his favor towards us, it's present even 2,000 years later, post the resurrection. And uh, you know what? I'm not here today because somebody talked me into being here. I'm not here because somebody convinced me about the Bible and the word of God and God's, even God's love for me. I'm here because of the power of God on March 27th, 1983. Remember that, Susie, way back in, in those days? The, the charge of heaven, that new battery, that, still, that power is still present today. And it hit me just like that and in a moment of time, just like it did, I was talking about Paul a moment ago where he got knocked down. That same power is present today, and it's, and it's charged up. There's no dead battery between heaven and earth, and God's doing great things in our lives. And you know what? You can come to church. You know, you can, um, you can try to, you can even become a member. You can join a church, but the kingdom of God, you can't just join in. You got to be born in. All right. And so I want to just I always like to bring that up right from the start, too, because we need to keep this uh, just the the truth of the gospel. We need to keep that in front of us. We can't just make an assumption that we're all in and ready to go. Um, that was one of the problems I had with the with the mainstream church that I came from. They thought I was fine just because I was coming to church and I wasn't um, I wasn't born in. I, was, I may have been a member, I may have joined in for the services or whatever, but I wasn't born in. And, and so I just encourage you, just right up front, if you've um, lived your life even in church and you're not sure, sure that you're born in to the kingdom of God, stop in and see us after the service. Come on up front. I, I'll actually hang out a little bit up here afterwards and I'm gonna wait for you. If you, if you, if there's a, a drawing on your heart, said, I'm not certain. The Bible says, these things I write to you that you might know that you have eternal life. You can know it. You can be sure. You can have that. Remember that hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed Assurance. You can have that blessed assurance. You can be assured. And that's that, that being born. When you're, when you're born, you know it. You're in. You know, it's, it's, you're out of the old and into the new. And that's, um, that's important, very important message for, for us to be always keeping in front of the people of God as, as we come in. So, um, you know, this series, we've, we're, I'm, I think we're coming to the close of it um, on idols. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about idols today, um, in co spe specifically covetousness. It's hard to say, covetousness, covetousness. 
I want to talk about that because it's very important that we recognize idols and deal with them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.11, it says, Be careful of fleshly lusts that war against your soul. You know what I mean by that? Any of you have that understanding of something that's warring against your soul, something that gives you emotional um, trouble and, and pain and resistance. When, you, when you're just living and you're just not happy, you're not joyful, you don't have peace, you don't have rest, there's something warring against your soul. And a lot of times at the root of that is fleshly lust or even idolatry, coveting, placing something above God himself. And so we have to, we have to be aware of that, be, be alert of that. You know, um, I, I think of it in terms of our houses. How many of you have a pretty clear house? You live in your house that things are taken care of. They're kind of in order and that sort of thing. But you have this one room, right, that maybe it's a closet, maybe it's a room, maybe it's uh, that you just, it's just a mess. I mean, we all have junk drawers. I get that and that sort of thing. I opened our junk drawer and I couldn't even open it. It was so, uh, anyways, um, we all have that one room. And that's what this, this message is. We might be living right and pleasing God. And as, as I've, I'm suggesting that most of us really probably are, um, we might be pleasing God, but there's, there's that one thing, right? That one room. And so that's, I think, what Greg and Justin have, have uh, taken us to, this, this idolatry thing. And, and uh, that's that one room, I think, that maybe God wants to put his finger on. And so idols are really stuff that we have already. Um, if you go into my garage, you'll count the bikes, bicycles, and I think I have six bikes up here. How many bikes do you have, Mike? Two? So he's in control. He's in control. That's good. Yeah, so um, I have a lot of bikes, and I, there's a chart I had I put up um, for bicycles. I don't have if it's a chart saying when you if you need to get a new bike, and if you have and it shows all these circumstances. It's a funny thing, but it basically says you need a new bike, even if you have five or six, you need a new one. And so um, that's idolatry when you have stuff and you. And you're, and it's you're, you you really just can't live without it, or sort of that sort of thing. Uh, but covetousness is stuff we don't have, but really want that next bike, right? So I didn't talk to my wife, but I'm going down to Albany this afternoon, and there's a um, a mountain bike that's in Glens Falls that she she's got. <laughs> They're not that expensive, but anyways, that's. That's um, that's covetousness. When when you're when you have when you don't have something, but you really want it, and you can't live without it. And uh, let's not talk about bikes just for a moment. Let's talk about something that maybe uh, idolatry. Uh, let's talk about shoes. How about shoes? How many people have more than five pair of, pair of shoes? Stand up. No, don't stand up. There wouldn't be anybody. How many people have more than 10 pairs of shoes? 20. Any 20 people? 20. 20 pair. Fonda. How many pair? All right. I'm in the, there's a lot of people with a lot of shoes in here. I'm in, I'm in the right place. I have work to do. Good. 
good. So I've come to the right place. So covetousness, I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All right, so there's a whole list of really nasty stuff there, isn't there? And we're supposed to put it to death. Remember back in the 70s and 80s, Amy, when we burned our, our uh, records and our old, uh, the bad stuff that we had? We had fires. We actually had fires. Did they do any of that out at your house, Ron? I don't know, but we everybody brought their cassettes or whatever, anything that was bad. We, but that's a, a symbol of putting to death things. And it says, put to death covetousness. And so which is idolatry. And it's, again, it's stuff we, we don't have, but we really can't live without. When it's not okay, if we don't have it. And there's a story in the Bible about a guy by the name of Ahab, and he's got a, a wife named Jezebel. And I'm going to read it. This is um, the only uh, significant scripture that I'm going to read verbatim, but I want to go through the story because it's a great example of what covetousness is all about. Um, First Kings chapter 21, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, next to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for vegetable garden, because it's near next to my house, and for I will give you a vineyard better than yours, or if it seems good to you, I'll give you money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word of the, which Naboth, that the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came in and said to him, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, and he said and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else. If it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you know, you... You, you, know, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise and eat and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters to Ahab's, to, in Ahab's name, sealed them with the seal and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, you have blasphemed God and the king. Take, then take him out and stone him that he may die. Verses 11 through 13, that's what they do. And so they stoned him. Verse 14, then he sent to Jezebel saying, then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is now dead and it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that she said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you. 
So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that Ahab got up and went down and took possession. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. So the story, the story is that. It's just that. Ahab wanting something so bad that he's willing to allow murder for it. So that's that covetousness. Let me just pray quickly. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just impart today, Lord. Help us, Lord God, so that there's hearing ears, seeing eyes, perceiving hearts, Father. And I pray, Father, that you'd give me the words to speak, Lord God. Not my words, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So how about that Jezebel, huh? She's quite a, quite a person. And she actually is a lot like that Proverbs 31 woman, right? If you read Proverbs 31, but it's twisted a little bit. She twists things. That Proverbs 31 woman is very industrious. And she's taking care of business, right, around the house. And so Jezreel, Jezebel is doing the same thing, but she takes it to an extreme and she starts um, doing, taking things in her own hand to support sin, right? So strong-willed women, you know, how many strong-willed women do we have? We have, we have a few in here. There's one right there. She raised, she admitted it. But you know what? I've got a little video clip that may kind of help out a little bit to understand strong-willed women. I know, she's terrible. I hear Elaine laughing from up here. <laughs> so just something a little fun. It's, it's my wife. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. So Ahab, covet, <laughs> Ahab coveted that field. It wasn't all right if he couldn't have it. And that's what I'm talking about today. What is it that you really want right now? Is there something that you're like my red bike that I'm thinking of right now that maybe I will, maybe I don't, it's okay if I don't have it really. What is it that you really want? Anybody raise your hand or shout out what, what is it? It's on your heart that you really want right now. If you, are you car shopping another pair of shoes, Vonda? I don't know. What's that? To not live with my dad. Well, that's another story. We'll talk about that. Is there something, I mean, we, you probably, there's a lot of people right now that have their eye on something. Anybody go to Marketplace on Facebook and kind of scroll through that and something jumps out? At, 
I mean, it's okay to understand, but I know right now that there's a lot of people that are going, Ugh, there's something that I really want that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get, but hopefully that'll change a little bit. It's got to be all right if we don't have it, right? Um, you know, we don't think straight when we, um, something's going on over between Brad and Sherry. Um, I think it's probably along these lines. But anyways, we don't think straight when we go to buy things, right? If you, I, if you go now to a car lot, you can go and find the truck for $75,000, right? And I'm like, how did we ever get there? And we start to justify, um, well, that's not so bad. Well, $75,000 is a gazillion hours of work that you have to do to pay for it. But we get crazy, we get a little stupid, and that's the same way we are when we, um, when we get covetousness. We start justifying, right? And, um, you know, we've got we've to come to the place in our lives where Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can't be in a place where we're twisted up wanting things all the time, right? That's covetousness, that's idolatry, and that's a place where we've got to say no and we need to say no regularly to ourselves. No to anger, offense. That sixth donut, right? We got to say no to uh, more stuff. And uh, I'm talking today about this. Uh, there's a concept that we talk about at work. It's called being mindful, all right? And uh, I don't know if they talk about that, Steve, with you guys, but you got to be mindful. When you go into a meeting, you got to be aware of everything. Be with, be engaged, and be thinking about what you're participating and all that you got to just be fully there and i think when it comes to sin a lot of times covetousness or any sin a lot of times we're not really mindful we'll we'll uh, get into something without really thinking you know if you really thought about if we really thought about the consequences of sin if we really thought it through if we were mindful about it we wouldn't do it we wouldn't do it rc sproul says uh um he says, sin is cosmic treason. That's, what he, that's how he calls it. It's cosmic treason. And so we have, to, we have to be more aware of doing what is right before the Lord. And again, I'm not talking about that's what justifies us. We're justified by grace through faith only. But once we're born into the kingdom of God, it's very important for us to live like it, right? So um, it, it says that 1 Kings 21, 20 says, you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what Elijah said to Ahab. You have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Have you ever sold anything that you wish you hadn't sold? Joe and I were talking about it yesterday, Joe Cardinal. And um, I bought his Joby ski. Remember, remember the Joby ski? But I, I, I had a, a Mastercraft ski boat. And I wish I hadn't. Who sold something that they wish they hadn't? Something that's valuable. Some hands are going up. Yeah, what, what have you s sold, Steve, that you wish you hadn't? Yeah, all the toys, yeah. We, we sell it and go, oh, no, what did I do? But that's the idea. That's what Ahab did. He's, the Bible says he, he sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. We, and, and um, you know, something more valuable than money 
even in this case with Naboth, it was his, the inheritance of his father. So we got to we got to really make sure the things that count in our life, we're not we, we put a not for sale sign on. Them, right. Ever have a garage sale or something and people come and they and they they want to buy everything in your garage and you go, oh, that's not for sale. And you almost have to put on not for sale signs. There's got to be things in our life that are like that, right? That are not for sale. We're not going to compromise on this whatsoever. Um, so selling out God. And remember Judas? Even Judas, when he sold out Jesus for how many pieces of silver was it? I don't know. Afterwards, he regretted it. And that's the way sin is, right? You understand how sin works. It's so, the, the temporary pleasure is, is extremely temporary. And, you know, enjoy the pleasures of sin for the season, for seasons. But that season is very short. And when we sell out, when we do something wrong, we get an immediate charge of satisfaction that just dwindles so fast. And then you're like, what did I do, right? Why did I sell that dirt bike? No, or whatever. Um, God wants us to be mindful, right? God wants us to um, think about stuff that we're going to do. And uh, especially when it comes to covetousness, we can control this, right? We can have, make some standards right up front and say, I am not going to allow myself to get into a position where I really want something so bad, so bad, right? And the results are of covetousness are always death at the end when it spirals down. Ahab, there was death in that. Uh, David in, in um, the whole thing with David with Bathsheba, Uriah died. And David's son with Bathsheba died. We talked about that yesterday a little bit. And then, of course, Judas at the very end, it was death. So covetousness that we read in Colossians 3, 5 earlier, all those line items that were really nasty stuff, you know, fornication, covetousness is right in that list. So I guess, again, today, what I want to do is just fine-tune us. So we're, um, we're digging into that closet, perhaps, that we've had um, full of junk for so long. Time to clean that up, too, right? Time to clean up that extra room and... Uh, you know, you talk about pleasing God. I love the idea of when people please the, please God and God asks, what do you want? Remember Solomon? And he said, he said, what, are, what do you want? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And that pleased God and it turned into him getting the benefit of everything else. When we please God, um, God's, the, the windows open and there's more peace, more joy more benefit, more blessing. Amen. So again, cleaning this, this idolatry thing that we're on, this closet cleaning or whatever is very good for us as Christians to, to be even more pleasing to God. Um, the Bible says in Luke 12, 15, says, guard your heart against covetousness for a man's life doesn't consist of the things he possesses. There's no trailers on the hearst are there you're not pulling any you're you come in empty you leave empty too our lives are 
not what's in our garage or in our closets. Our lives are what's in our heart, right? So there's some other expressions of covetousness, coveting to win. Who in here has to win all the time at board games? Yes. Are you allowed to cheat at board games? Is that legal? Is that, I don't know. That's a different thing too. Coveting security or independence. I don't want to have to rely or report to anybody, right? Coveting to impress people. Is that, is that like ultra important for you to really care what people think That to the point that you're just, you got to have people's approval? Coveting a better past. Oof, that's a tough one, isn't it? And uh, because that's something that is totally not changeable. That, you know, that reminder that repeatedly hurts you. Any of you live like that a little bit? You don't have to raise your hands. We think about our past. And go, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That's that's on the lines of coveting as well. So um, again, just house cleaning, little house cleaning. Let's talk about the opposite of covet covetousness. And this is something that we can drive towards, not just drive away from coveting, but driving towards contentment. Right. Instead, something to run to. First of all, Paul said in Philippians 4.12, he said, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. This means he knew how to live out either condition, whether he had a lot or had a little, he knew how to be content. And so that contentment is everything. I remember in college, my college days, I had nothing. I was lo looking for my next $5 to pay the rent for the week. Rent was $25 a week when I was back in college. It was way back in the 1400s. It seemed like what, wh whoever imagined that rent would be $25 a week, right? But um, it was, and I had, I remember many times, where am I going to get that last $5? But I, but God always provided, and, and to be content with just whatever you had. And uh, even right now when things are better, we have things, it's important for us to kind of stay low, right? You might have a beautiful house, and, and but it's, you're, you have in your mind, this is not who I am. Remember, I said, maybe I said it a couple weeks ago, separate yourself from your stuff. Make, build a wall between you and your stuff. And because uh, that's not what your life consists of, right? Um, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. We used to twist that around and say godliness with great gain is contentment. No, that's that's not right but godliness with with contentment is great gain be content with food food and clothes first timothy 6 and 8 be content with your wages how many would you of you would like to have earn a little bit more money at work i would too but there's some hands going way up yes but you know what um, at the end of the day you've got to say i'm content and make that decision again being mindful I'm going to be present. I'm going to make this decision. I'm not going to let um, this desire that I have within me just run freely and rampantly in my life. Um, and this place of contentment is a place where there's no tension. There's a place, that's the surrender I was talking about at the beginning, where you're just at rest. You know, where your car, sometimes you, we, we um, 
have our car in drive and we have the brake on and the gas on at the same time and everything's just wrenching against the uh, and w versus when you had just have it in neutral and everything's just at rest and calm that's the idea god wants us to not be strivers right the bible says to serve the lord shouldn't strive god wants us to be content and just rest in him and surrendered in him not having to have things. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That place we were just at peace and calm and content with God. Amen. Um, even, our, even our status in life, just think about that a little bit. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I get dissatisfied with where I am in life. And I and maybe I could have done this or achieved this or accomplished this. You know, 1 Corinthians 7.20 says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. That's in, that implies that we have a place in life that is kind of assigned to us. I know there's wiggle room. I know we can grow and, and be strong um, and do significant things. But I, I believe it's in that window of where God has assigned us. And let us be content with that. Let us not, there's a lot of peace and joy and rest with being satisfied with just who you are and what you're doing for your job or whatever it is. Um, and I'm not saying that you give up your aspirations, but just be aware that we're, we're a lot of times, uh, I mean, I was a, a plant superintendent once in uh, for a paper factory. I had like a, 140 people that were under me and uh, it wasn't good. I just didn't, it was over my head, at least at that time in my life. And I'm, I'm not probably meant to cut out to be a high level manager. And I know there are some people he here that are, and I can't think and on that level, I've learned that about myself. I can't think like I, I've watched high level managers think and I'm going, I'm, I'm just not there. Maybe I could grow into it. I don't know, but um, I know my place is what I'm saying. And if we know our place, if we know that, listen, I'm not meant to go to college. I'm meant to go to a trade school. Or I'm meant to be a businessman, you know, um, to find that place and just accept what God has. Be content with where, where, we, where you are called, right? Um, so God has distributed to each of us talents, right? It's a... He, he um, deals them. The book of Romans said he's dealt to every man a measure of faith. And I see God as this master card dealer, and he's dealing out. And each of us have a hand of cards, right? Um, something that we've been given in life. I have, I'm just where I am. I've, I realized I mentioned it yesterday. I am extremely average. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Extremely average. But that's just where I am. Sometimes if I try really hard, I can go a little bit above. Uh, sometimes when I don't try so hard, I go a little bit below. But I know my place, and it's in, in that place of just resting with God and accepting what we have, not having to have more, right? It's good. It's good the way it is, and God's blessing is good, right? So, um I'm just asking you today to be content. Let's let's learn, do a little bit better at being content. Be content with walking with God. 
Sarah, you want to come up and read? Be content with walking with God. Um, I don't think I've ever returned from a prayer walk in worse shape than I started, right? There are simple things in life. Reading your Bible is being with Jesus, staying in, in, and just being content with walking with God. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. How many of you know how to delight yourself in the Lord? That's kind of a tough one to learn, but you, we, we learn that. We learn how to get joy just from the Lord. I sat in the back today, last seat, and I sit back there a lot of times because I cry, you know, and the tears are coming down. I don't want to look foolish, but I was just, it was just good. I was just being delighted in God, and that's a great place to be. Find that delight in, in the Lord, right? And be content with fellowship and serving people. Um, I'm a tennis player, and there was, I saw a, a guy with a T-shirt and it quoted Bjorn Borg. It says, uh, "'Tis better to serve than to receive." And then it said, Bjorn Borg, 6-2, You know, that, that's, those are scores, tennis scores. But it's, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a place to, uh, of, that we need to find ourselves so we're content, so we're serving, right? How many of you enjoy um, just going out and being God's, in God's creation? You know, we've, we've, we've uh, lost that. We've lost that in some, that's not good enough anymore. Any people, when's the last time you play with Legos? Anybody, Legoers? Or, I mean, there's got to be, we've got to be okay with some simple things in life. How many bird watchers do we have? People that know their birds, you guys know your birds, that's pretty cool. And uh, how about a good thunderstorm? Everybody likes a good thunderstorm or hikers. That simple stuff's got to be enough. We don't have to have all the time. But if you are going to covet, I'm going to say there is a place for it. You can covet to prophesy. Barbara leads the prophetic group on Monday night. And um, if you have any desire, if you ever read that, stop in and see her. Well, there's there's space for you. But covet to prophesy. There's, there's a lot of value in that. Covet to know God, right? Philippians 3.8 says he counts all things lost for the excellency of of the knowledge of Christ. That's Paul speaking. It's all nothing compared to the knowledge of Christ. So can we do that today? Can we just make sure that our hearts are in that sweet spot, that's that place where we can be at rest, we're surrendered, we're not always wanting something else. That check goes off in our heart, we say, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to be content. If God wants to give me it, great. I'm not going to say no. But at the same point, it's okay if I don't have it. Right? Amen. Julie, you want to? Okay, I'm going to. I'll close up here. Um, let me. Let's just pray together and ask for the Spirit of God again. That same power, that 2,000-year-old power, to just come in and do finish the job today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that. You have power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, each and every one of us. Help us, Lord God, to please you, to live a life that pleases you, Lord God, that when you see us, you go, oh, well done. Well done. That's my child. I am so proud of that, of my child. Father, help us to 
live a life that just is consumed with knowing you and being content with loving you and serving you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, I pray blessing over everybody here. I pray, pray blessing over families, uh, loved ones. Lord God, that you put that Holy Spirit draw on our children, on our brothers and sisters, on our parents, our aunts and uncles, our neighbors, our loved ones, those people that we've been trying to reach for years. Father, just uh, magnify the power of heaven over each of their lives. Keep them, Lord, that you've lost none. I love that phrase, Jesus, that you said, I have lost none of all that you've given me, God. Father, that none of our family members would be lost, Lord God. We surrender to you. We give that prayer request again to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you're not sure that you're born again, born into the kingdom, come on up front. Let's talk, all right? Amen. Have a great, great Sunday. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.